I can't tell you how many times my mom told me, David, only boring people get bored. Did you ever hear that as a kid? I can't tell you how many times exactly, but it was enough that I remember it very clearly. There were a plenty of times when my brothers and I, my, br- my sister and I, my friends and I would come into the house and say, I'm bored. And mom would always say, only boring people get bored. But is that really true? Is it just that, you know, I was boring as a person? I think my mom was probably right. Who am I to say from the pulpit that my mom was wrong, right? She was probably right quite often that the problem lies in me, in us, in our lack of imagination, in our lack of interest in all of the wonderful things that God gives us. But, but doesn't it just kind of work that way? Don't things get old after a while? Isn't it a rule that eventually all the good stuff comes to an end, and and isn't it kind of a rule that the more you repeat something, the quicker it loses its luster? Isn't it true that if you listen to the same song over and over and over and over and over again, even if it's a great song, like a Mariah Carey Christmas song, even those ones get old and boring? Everything does. It's a law, isn't it? Everything is ruined by repetition. That's why we don't have Christmas every day of the year. It would be impossible. It wouldn't work. Even joy to the world would eventually wear a little thin on our ears and on our voices. And that's not just because, you know, we're boring people and we lack imagination. Sometimes that's the problem, but it's just the way things are in this old creation, isn't it? Repetition Repetition can ruin even the best of things. The best stories by the hundredth telling are a little bit old. And the best jokes by the two hundredth telling just aren't all that funny anymore. And the best songs by the three hundredth singing, well, we're starting to wish that there was something else. It's a rule of this old world that things are ruined by repetition. But of course, what we've been learning throughout these Wednesdays in Advent is that the new Jerusalem can't be ruined. There is no way to ruin God's city. There is no way to ruin or spoil the bride of Christ. We saw that two weeks ago, right? You can start at the end, right? There's no rule here in Scripture. There's no rule in Christ's church that you have to eat your vegetables first. No, you can go right to the end, and your appetite for God's things won't be ruined. It will be enhanced. Last week, I told you, remember, right, that seeing more and more and more isn't going to ruin this city. John has vision after vision after vision, and it never seems to drag. That happens with our stories. That happens with my sermons. Eventually, we start to say, all right, it's time to wrap this one up, Pastor, right? But the New Jerusalem can't be ruined by saying too much. And tonight, I want to imprint on your minds this wonderful truth that the new Jerusalem does not obey the rules of this old world because it is part of a new creation. And in the new creation, repetition, repetition does not bring boredom. Repetition excites. Only boring people get bored. That's what my mom told me when I was a kid. But here, in the New Jerusalem, there is no boredom. These things never lose their luster. They never get old. They never run out. For they are always the same and yet always new. 
That's the paradox that is full of the new Jerusalem. This beloved city, this camp of the saints, defies all of the iron laws of our old creation because she is already now the presence of the new creation, the new breaking in to our old. So today we come to the end of John's vision. We move beyond the walls and the foundations and the gates, and we hear of light, don't we? We find that nations are coming in from the outside. That's a good hint. That's a good hint that we're not at the end of all things when John is seeing this. The nations are still coming in to the church. We hear that kind of driven home when we hear about this tree. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now just think about what that means. That means that, means that while this tree is at work, there are still things that need to be healed. John is not just telling you, here's what to expect someday way off in the future. John is seeing the life of the church already now. Today we come to this vision of a crystal river. We come to this strange tree that you can't quite tell. Is it an apple tree or a pear tree? Is it a peach tree or a cherry tree? Well, it's kind of all at the same time. Light and crystal rivers and a tree that bears 12 fruits. Sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Sounds like it would be hard to get bored of that kind of thing, but... But then again, well, familiarity breeds contempt, doesn't it? And eventually, you know, surely, eventually, we could even get bored of these things, couldn't we? Well, the answer is no. The answer is no. There are things in this world already now that don't fade away. There are things that don't lose their luster. There are things that you can use, that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can hear, that never lose their joy. They are the things of God. After all, what does Hebrews say about Jesus? Christ Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, conservative-minded people like that verse, don't they? Because we like things that don't change. We like things that stay the same today and tomorrow and next week. We like to know just what to expect when we come to church. And that verse does teach us that Jesus is like that. He is a rock. He doesn't move. But he's also always new. That's a paradox, isn't it? How can something be always the same and yet always new? How can something be always familiar and yet always fresh? How can Christ Jesus, being the same yesterday and today and forever, never get bored? (laughs) How can these things never go dull? Well, the answer is that Christ Jesus is infinite, and infinite things aren't like finite things. Finite things, gold and silver and jewels and all the things that we know and we can touch and we can feel, all the things of this old world, they will fade away. But the infinite things never get old. There is no variation or shadow of turning with our heavenly Father, and he never gets old. There is no change in Christ Jesus, and what that means is that he is both reliable and always endlessly, infinitely, wonderfully new. The Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life, right? He is not static and boring and old repetition, but lively, energetically, eternally, infinitely capable of surprising you. It's a paradox, isn't it? 
that something could be old and new at the same time, that something could be familiar and surprising at the same time, but it's the kind of paradox that brings us joy. Think about a river. Rivers are like that. I think that's one of the reasons why John sees a river running through this new Jerusalem. You can never really step into the same river twice, right? Because the water that's flowing there now, when you go tomorrow, will be completely different water, and yet it'll be the same old river. We won't call it by a different name tomorrow or next week. Maybe, you know, in a couple years we'll call it something else. But it'll always be the same river and yet not the same river. That's what it's like in the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is a river city. It's kind of like our little Paducah on the banks of the Ohio. But the river that makes glad the city of our God is an infinite river. It is the river that is crystal clear, that river that flows out, not from the rainfall up in Pennsylvania, but the river that flows out from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And what that means is that the water that John sees flowing in the river is God's water. It is the water that is God himself, water that is endlessly and infinitely new and yet never the same. What John sees in that crystal river is an image, if you will, of the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds, like we say in the creed, from the Father and the Son. Here you have a picture given to you of the Holy Spirit in watery terms, which is just the way the Spirit always wants us to picture him. This is where the Spirit loves to be. He loves to give himself to us in and with the water. That paradox of being the same and yet always being new, you can experience that to some small degree by driving down to the Ohio River every day. You can go and look at that river, and it's always kind of fun, isn't it? It's always kind of nice. It's always kind of peaceful. But what the kind of things of the Ohio River hint at is what the Holy Spirit gives without measure. Why is it that the Holy Spirit wants to be associated with a river? Well, so that you would see that what is old is also new at the same time, but also also that you would see where the Spirit is given to you now. Where are we supposed to drive if we want to get to the river of the New Jerusalem? If we want to dip our toes, so to speak, not in the Ohio River, but in the river of the New Jerusalem? Well, you know where to go, don't you? To the waters of your baptism. There is one baptism, right? We don't need to be baptized again and again and again. But that one baptism is the sort of thing that you never really get past, It is the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. It is a washing that never flows into your rearview mirror, but always goes with you. It's the kind of thing that you never really say, yeah, I used to be baptized, but not anymore. It's like marriage that way. If someone asks me, Pastor, were you married? I could say, yes, I was. I was married on this day, April 10th, (laughs) in this year, 2010, I think, I remember right. But I would also say, and I still am, baptism is like that. The gift of the Holy Spirit never recedes into the rearview mirror. It's not that you were baptized. It's not that you were adopted into God's family. It's not that you were forgiven. It's not that you were dead to sin and alive to God. It's that you are these things. These things are old, and yet they are new at the same time. For in holy baptism, you are given a down payment of the Holy Spirit who doesn't tire of you and of your tired old life. How could we ever tire of him? 
It's the same way with that tree, isn't it? That tree is always the same and yet always changing. That's the paradox that John sees in the New Jerusalem. Is it a cherry tree? Well, yeah. Is it an apple tree? Yeah. Is it a peach tree? Is it a pear tree? Which kind of tree is it? Well, it is all of those trees and so much more. John calls it the tree of life that defies all the trees of this old creation because it is as if all of the trees have become one. That's what John calls it, the tree of life. And he sees more than one, by the way. There is a tree on either side of the river. There's multiple trees on both sides of the river. And like that river, they are ever the same and yet ever new. They are not only always blossoming, but they are always producing fruit that is ripe and never going bad. And if you maybe get bored of one kind of fruit on that tree, just wait a day. There will be something new tomorrow. How can this all be? It's because the fruit of that tree communicates to you the life of the infinite God himself. He is the source of life, of that eternal food that you will never tire of. And just like you already have access to the river of life, so you also already now have access to the tree of life. What good would it be to know that somewhere out there, there is this tree with 12 kinds of fruit on it? And if only I could get to it, but it's not for me. The good news of this vision is that these things are all for you. These things are all available available to you already now in the church. Remember that this vision is not just what we someday will come to, but it is what already now is. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever opens to me, I will come in and dine with him. And guess what? Jesus is the kind of guest who always brings something with him. And what do you suppose he brings? He brings the fruit of the tree of life. He says later in the book of Revelation, I will give to the one who conquers to eat from the tree of life. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. What John sees, what he calls that tree of life on either side of the river, is what you partake of in the Lord's Supper. Christ doesn't just feed us with finite fruit, does he? He gives us himself. So we are always receiving the same thing. We are always receiving Jesus. But here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Jesus is kind of a big deal. Did you know that? Jesus is kind of infinite. Jesus is not just kind of, he is And so he is always the same and yet always new. He is like a tree that gives 12 kinds of fruit. You know what it's like? It's like, I'm going to use a strange example here. It's kind of like my Uncle Jim. Many of you have an uncle like this. Uncle Jim uh, carried on his, it was sort of like his keychain. He had an adjustable wrench that was about this big. Because Uncle Jim was the kind of guy who wanted to be prepared for anything. And that meant he not only had an adjustable wrench like that hanging out of his pocket all the time, he also had a Leatherman. Do you know what a Leatherman is? A Leatherman is a Swiss Army knife on steroids. I always think of Uncle Jim this time of year because it would happen that when we were opening Christmas presents with all my cousins, one of the cousins, usually it was one of my aunts actually, would want to do this. Instead of ripping off the paper, you know, like you're supposed to, They would want to slide their fingers in and don't want to rip the paper, want to save the paper for next year. Some people are strange, aren't they? And so they would say, "Uh, does anyone have a knife? And Uncle Jim would say, I do. 
right here on my Leatherman. And then one of the kids would rip the paper open and say, I need a screwdriver. And Uncle Jim would say, I've got a screwdriver. It's right here on my Leatherman. The tree of life is like that, isn't it? It's the kind of thing that is exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. In the sacrament of the altar, we come already now to something far greater than a leatherman. We come to a tree that gives us the same and yet always new. Yes, we eat and drink the same thing time and time again, and yet it is not just a finite thing we receive here, but mysteriously Christ gives us himself. And so it happens, you have all experienced this, that at different times and in various ways, the sacrament brings us different things. To one of us, at one time, he gives a greater sense of the pardon that comes in forgiveness. To another, he gives strength to bear your burdens. To another, he gives a deepening sense of gratitude. To another, he gives peace. To another, he gives hope. To another, he gives wisdom. To all of us, he gives the same, and yet, to all of us, he gives different. And that's just the way things are in the New Jerusalem, both now and not yet. Christ gives us the same gifts over and over, and yet they are always new. There's no boredom in this city, not even by repetition and familiarity. So open your eyes, dear friends, to the world all around you. Open your hearts to love these things. This Advent series is hopefully going to help you see Christmas beginning from the end. That the baby born in the manger is certainly not just a carpenter's son, that's what they all supposed, but that he is something much greater. He is a city builder, and the city that he builds is a city that has heavenly foundations. It is a city that has a crystal river. It is a city that never sleeps. It is a city of eternal day. It is a city where you can eat from the tree all that you can and all that you want, and there will always be more. So swim in the river, eat from the tree all that you can, walk in the light, and never, never, never be bored by these things, for truly no boredom is allowed in the city. To Christ be the glory now and forever. Amen.